Welcome back to the Host Dispatch. And happy summer, y'all. In 2020, it felt a lot like we lost our entire summer. And while that's definitely not the biggest sacrifice we made last year in order to protect ourselves and others during the COVID-19 pandemic, this summer feels so different. For one thing, we here at Host Publications have been fully vaccinated and are able to move about the world a little more freely. And we are feeling all the summer feels this year. While the Beach Reads convention is not one that we typically subscribe to as a small press, in this episode, we let loose and have a little fun deconstructing and reimagining this marketing scheme, presenting our own personal versions of a beach or summer read that pairs well with our hopeful celebratory 2021 summer moods, as well as some of the darker vibes in literature that we just can't help but love all year round. The books we discuss in this episode are Wild Milk by Sabrina Ora Mark, The Hour of the Star by Clarice Lispector, and The Pickwick Papers by Charles Dickens. We hope you're kicking off your summer with some sunshine and good books. And as always, thanks for listening. Happy summer, you guys. Happy summer. Oh, yeah, it's hot. It's been hot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Summer officially started a few days ago, but of course, in Austin, it feels like right after the winter storm, it was summer. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We went straight from winter storm Uri into summer. Don't forget the tons of rain between yes. storm Uri. Yeah, the Greenbelt is beautiful still. I'm really feeling the summer moods uh, settling in. So yeah, we wanted to just get together and talk about what kind of books we want to read in the summertime. And uh, the the popular way to talk about summer books is beach reads. Mm. Um, you know, I don't really know how to define what a beach read is, but I know that the places that tout beach read reading lists are places like Good Housekeeping, Marie Claire, Town and Country Magazine, Refinery 29, and Glamour Magazine. So those are like the top hits on Google when you when you search what a beach read is. It seems to be rooted with like capitalism and... Oh, yeah. Definitely in consumption. Yes. It is. It's definitely a marketing scheme. And some big publishers themselves, like Penguin Random House, has a beach reads list. So they're, there's... Publishers trying to kind of jump on that bandwagon too, but I definitely think of it as like an influencer thing that isn't really all that relevant to what we usually are here to talk about as a small press. <laughs> right, right. I mean, we're reading all the time anyway, so what do we read when summer comes along? Yeah, yeah. Uh, mass marketing schemes just don't really play into what we are doing, um, but... I will say this. Here in Austin, I wish we were near a beach. And oh, yes. since we can't be near a beach, uh, we definitely have all the fun summer summer vibes happening. All the water in the green belt, all the kayaking, all the sunshine. Um, especially, I think, this year as vaccinations have begun to become more widespread and 
sort of restore our lives back to a version of normalcy. We actually get to have a summer this year, so it feels like a really fun thing to celebrate and, yeah, yeah to kind of lean into some of this, like, fun, indulgent, light, summery reading. Yeah, it was like last summer didn't even happen. Like, last year didn't happen because it happened in such an odd way where we didn't meet with each other we didn't get together in groups which is part of a beach read is mm -hmm. you know you read with a bunch of other people that are sitting around reading out on the beach or something like that and that just didn't happen last year so really i appreciate it this year yeah i hope that this will be a better summer for all of us and um you know texas power grid we're counting on you <laughs> keep our fingers crossed it only got up to 90 and they were warning us the other day it was scary oh no <laughs> but uh you know those of us who are not at the beach um and just trying to enjoy our summers and live in a little bit more of a light-hearted way this summer i think the beach read is kind of a fun convention for us to try to sort of redefine um so yeah these are not going to be your typical beach reads and um I'm curious to hear from you two what you think of as your personal version of a beach read. Like if you were to travel um, to a beachy place or a summery place, what's the kind of book you like to carry with you? Yeah, I usually have like a set of requirements because we do travel to the beach here. Um, it has to be like a book that will survive being tossed into a bag. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. One that if it, like, gets sand or water on it will, like, be fine. And I love, like, themes. So, like, if I'm traveling to Vegas, maybe something a bit more debaucherous. Um, or the beach, I love to, like, approach with, like, a tranquil or, like, a heady meditative experience. Um, but first and foremost, I'm like, can this be tossed into a bag and survive. <laughs> we cannot take the hasty papers with us to the beach. That's where I was going. I was wondering if that was too much of an inside joke with host publications, but no, we're not taking the hasty papers with us. We're not taking the hasty papers anywhere. <laughs> yeah. That's an indoor animal. <laughs> yeah. Now, that being said, if we could take the hasty papers with us, it would be a fun beach read. That's true. Because it's got everything in it. And it's chaos. Yeah, it is. It is. And yeah. That's like a cabana book. It's a coffee table <laughs> cabana book. You keep it on your coffee table in your cabana. Joe, when you travel, especially in the summer, do you have a special kind of book you like to bring along? Or is it just what you happen to be interested in at that time? I I have a problem when I travel with, with what book I'm going to take because I start thinking gee, how long am I going to be gone? Uh, you know, three days, three weeks, whatever. And I look at the books on my shelves and things, and I think, oh, I haven't read that. I haven't read that. And next thing I know, I have a suitcase full of books. <laughs> and uh, I have to put them all back, and I say, well, what do I want to read? And, you know, usually when I go on vacation or think of a beach read or something like that, it's something that I feel that I haven't read for 
a long time, a genre that I haven't read for a long time, for some reason, or maybe a book that's sat on my shelf for several years and I want to finally get to it. But, you know, like Anar says, it has to be able to be thrown in a bag. And, you know, even if you're not going to the beach, a, a beach read book is something that's going to get beat up. So, you know, you take, you take your mass market paperback version of something you have a nicer edition of at home, and uh, you read that, or at least that's what I do. And when it comes to a beach read or something like that for summer, I try to pick something long. Mm. I like long because one of the definitions of beach read for me is I don't have to finish it mm-hmm. because I don't have to read this book. <laughs> yeah. If I don't like it, I can read 200, 300 pages of a 700-page book, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I don't have to grind to finish it. That's a real pleasure. Wow. I never even thought of that. I also really loved that idea of taking a book that's been on your shelf for a while that you haven't gotten around to because that's a beautiful part of traveling is when you only bring the one book, yeah. you know you're going to read it. Right, right. <laughs> so a kind of a fun way to get through some stuff you've maybe been putting off. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's no longer the competition. Yeah. <laughs> the trick is that when you're on a trip or something like that, you can't, you can't go into a bookstore. Now, that's impossible to say, but let's... I was going to say. Let's say they're not bookstores on beaches, you know. There no. might be some beaches that have them. Those would be wonderful beaches, but... Uh, um, should we just sell books on a beach? Like, is that yeah. kind of our retirement plan? I think we would do okay. I think we'd do okay. <laughs> I like that. I like that retirement plan. You know, Joe, you pointing out that you're picking a book that has been on your shelf that you've been meeting to read kind of makes me think about like with a beach read or a summer read there's this idea of like luxury and extra time and I think that's that's thrilling it's like who are you when you have an infinite amount of time or I guess a good chunk of time to really read what you truly want to read Because throughout the year, you know, we read with a certain curriculum. Mm -hmm. Um, Even, you know, with host publications, we tend to read books that align with our authors. We create a curriculum around that. Um, As booksellers, you know, you just want to make sure you're current in your reading material and you're familiar. Um, But in the summer, it's like, all bets are off. Like, what's on your nightstand? (laughs) Yes. That's why this concept is so fun to me because when I think of a beach read for myself, it's a wild card. Oh, yeah. It's a book that is disconnected from all the other parts of my life because the beach is disconnected from all the other parts of my life, sadly. (laughs) It's like it doesn't exist in time. Yes. Yeah. Shall we start talking about our books, y'all? Claire, what did you bring for us? I, in selecting my book took kind of a backwards route and I chose a book that I have read on a beach and 10 out of 10 would recommend reading on a beach but then tried to work my way backwards and figure out why because at the end of the day I just like this book it's Wild Milk by Sabrina Ora Mark published by 
Dorothy, a publishing project. And I I read this the last time I went to a beach, which sadly was a couple years ago. And I will say also that I had a couple of honorable mentions, uh, one of which is Talk by Linda Rosencrantz, which was actually recommended to me as a beach read by the writer Fernando Flores. <laughs> so that that was a that was a close runner up. And also the book I'm reading right now, which is Flights by Olga Tokarczyk, which is all about travel. So and it's a novel in these short snippets. So there's I feel like there's so many different directions you can go, but Wild Milk made it to a beach in my hands. And so it kind of took the cake. Um, and in trying to figure out what I liked about this book, it was like every single descriptive word that came to mind also related to beaches <laughs> somehow. Um, have you all read this? I've read parts of it. I haven't okay. read the whole thing. Yeah, I'm in the middle of rereading it. But you've inspired me to pick it back up. Yeah, it's so very strange. Um, so I think like the first word that came to mind is surreal. It's very surreal. The logic in it is associative. Um, sometimes it's cyclical. And it's definitely these stories, you kind of can feel that they're emerging from the mind of a poet. Mm. A poet, Sabrina Oramark, who is very invested in the scholarship and study of fairy tales. Mm. So very dreamlike, almost childlike. And I don't know, my like sort of instinctive connection to nature is through childhood. And there's a lot of children in the book and babies in the book and mothers. And so this all kind of felt rooted in like my personal connections to nature. Um, and I think the beach is a really surreal place. <laughs> uh, like I said, when when you step onto a beach, it's like you are dislocated from time somehow. It's like you're standing on the edge of the earth and just feels like time falls away. Um, it's very fluid and wild and elemental. And again, those are all words that I would use to describe wild milk. Yeah, Claire. I know I had suggested to you last week to watch a ghost story because Wild Milk feels like it was written from the perspective of a ghost or with the voice of a ghost, um, mm-hmm. which like, you know, I don't know what beaches are <laughs> in general, but outside of Galveston is my favorite beach. It's not one you swim in. It's not one <laughs> you stay at for very long because it's they're gross. But Galveston has this incredibly beautiful haunted vibe to it, which I feel like Wild Milk would really compliment. I did watch a ghost story for people who might want to look it up. It's on Netflix, and I don't remember who the director is. Do you remember, Inar? Yeah, it's at, directed by David Lowry. Thank you. Um, great film kind of sad like it's it's sad but it's also really beautiful and um yeah totally in rereading wild milk this week I definitely felt that that voice of a ghost um especially in the way it's portrayed in the movie where the ghost is perceiving 
the nature of time in such a strange way, which makes complete sense from an imaginative perspective of what it would be like to be a ghost. Um, you're no longer on the timeline anymore, but you're still like floating around it and able to access it from different points. So mm -hmm. I really love that idea. Um, and I think that this book, like the lack of conventional reasoning and like logical structures, which of course means lack of a narrative in many cases or traditional narrative is subversive and can be dangerous. And like, we're not safe in this book <laughs> in all places in this book. And we're not safe at the ocean. We're also not safe in the summertime. Like it's a beautiful, dreamy, cool time to be alive, but like heat stroke is definitely a real thing in Austin's sweltering summer. So I felt like that this little edge of danger in the book too um, felt like a, a good pairing for my summer moods in Austin. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, and, and wild milk, just to gush on Dorothy, anything by Dorothy, a publishing project is a great summer read. Um, they put out such delightful, incredible works. Um, the cover, you could throw it in the ocean. Yeah, yeah. The book would be fine. <laughs> it's a surprise. <laughs> it is. And and just from like kind of a nerdy publishing perspective, like the book is square, almost square. So it's like a really small kind of delightful thing to hold, almost like a child's book. And the margins are really wide and mm -hmm. the space between lines is really wide. And I feel like the type is kind of big. It's actually just a really easy book to read. Uh, I I consider it a page turner um, because even though all this wild associative stuff is happening, it's not hard to make those leaps. And that's something I look for poolside or beachside or wherever in the summertime is something that, you know, isn't going to really require me to hunker down and <laughs> um, pay super close attention because there's other stuff going on. There's like the water and the sunshine and the birds and all that good summer stuff. So um, I, I feel like I would be remiss not to mention that this book, though it's like kind of fairy tale like really does engage with politics and societal concerns um, through like a lens of, of humor and this kind of distancing because they're written like fables, basically. Um, so, it, you know, it's not like it's going to totally disconnect you from reality. I think it kind of, I feel like it helps my brain engage with those things of our current cultural moment um, a little more like wildly and creatively. And it doesn't feel quite as heavy, but it definitely like investigates larger questions that are up to interpretation, you know, based on how you read the fables. Well, that sounds great. I'm sold. I want to read that. You know, I'm like, I'm like the person at the restaurant who, who always wants to change their order after they hear somebody else <laughs> order. Yeah. I want to change my book. I want that to be my book. Yes. Um, so, you know, in scaling back on social media and, like you said, Wild Milk, the short stories, kind of still bind you to the current world. And the short story tweet has haunted me, mm. like, for years. Um, but now that I've refrained from participating in social media, it just, it gives me goosebumps, the, the ending of that story. And it just, Sabrina has such a powerful way of, like, 
setting you free and then pulling you back down with the last sentence of like every short story. Um, Mm -hmm. Just a true, true magician. Like it's just so good. Yeah, that story is so good. And it's bizarre. I mean, if you really were to describe what's happening in the story, you could describe like a troop of people dressed in the same swimsuits following a rabbi around and by around I mean like into a goat (laughs) and other places and what's actually happening is like this larger commentary not to reduce the story because it's really wonderful how strange it is but uh, you know it is called tweet and it's about following I mean it's clearly a commentary on social media but you can also just get lost in the strangeness of it and Mm. I feel like that's a that's a feeling you can have on Twitter. You can totally get lost. So good. Joey, I think you would love it if you haven't had a chance to dig in. No, I haven't. I haven't. I really, really want to. It was a Malvern bestseller at one point. Yeah. Yeah, that's when I picked it up and read a couple of the stories. And, and she read at the store. Oh. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. It was a big deal. She was wonderful. So sweet. And um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. That's when I read a couple of the stories. But then again, it got lost on the shelf. And it, as you say, it's a smallish book, so it doesn't force its way out when I'm going yeah. on a trip. <laughs> well, I advocate for these sizes of books in traveling because they're lightweight and you can finish it if you want. Yeah. Um, then you have an excuse to go buy more books on your trip. Exactly. But also these stories are super short, some of them. Yeah. So that's kind of nice when you could be in kind of a distracting space sometimes when you're traveling to be able to come in and out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to read a passage for you guys. So this story is aptly titled Pool. Jump into the pool, says brother. I do not wish to jump into the pool. For old time's sake, says brother, jump into the pool. This pool looks different from the pool of yesteryear. Make a splash, says brother. Set an example for all the merry children lining up behind you, says brother. I turn around. These children do not look merry. They look very unmerry. Unmerry as fossils. Jump into the pool, says brother. I do not wish to jump into the pool. There is a tree in the pool. That is not a tree. That is grandmother. Grandmother, is that you? No answer. She is in the deep end trying to be mysteriosa, says brother. I can assure you that tree is not a tree, but grandmother, backstroking. More children are lining up behind me. Some appear to be geniuses. Dip the big toe first, and the body will come along after, says brother. How soon along after? Depends, says brother. A day at most. Is there a plethora of ways, I ask? There is a plethora. Go on, I say. You can jump into the pool, suggests brother. Go on, I say. Or you could jackknife, belly flop, pencil drop, cannonball, face the music, live the life, knuckle the mouse, happy-go-lucky, bury the hatchet, or hubba-hubba. Or I could sink, I say. 
or you could sink, says brother. Grandmother? No answer. Grandmother, is that you? No answer. I do not like this pool. I point north. Would it be possible to jump into that pool? Brother squints. Brother scratches his head. It seems to be a better pool. From far away, agrees brother. It does seem to be a better pool. A much better pool. Loads better, says brother. I turn around. There appear to be hundreds of children lining up behind me, possibly thousands. Jump into this pool, says brother. Afterwards, you can have a snack at the snack bar. I have been to that snack bar. It is a hideous snack bar. It is a very hideous snack bar, agrees brother. I know no snack bar more hideous. Any snack bar anywhere would be less hideous. The popsicles are gaunt. Impossibly gaunt, says brother. Grandmother floats by. I am going to die soon, sings grandmother. I do not know that song. Nor do I, says brother. Jump into the pool, says brother. Wow. <laughs> so weird. What? How? How do you think or even write like that? It's amazing. Uh, the idea of reading that on the beach and then, oh, I'm going to go jump in the see if there's a shark out there. <laughs> I'm going to die soon. The first word she says. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, it gets darker in ways as it progresses through to the end. And um, I think it's like perched. The story feels perched to me in this weird, because the repetition of jump into the pool, says brother, and also calling him brother and calling her grandmother, it feels very much like a children's book. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of feels perched between a children's book and like this dark realization of adulthood, of death and just the harsh realities of life, um, which maybe not through that passage I read, but it just sort of starts to come in at the end. But that's definitely where the story progresses. And yeah, I love that balance of this. It's almost like they're standing on a diving board at the top of this bright, sunny pool, but somehow everything's wrong. <laughs> yeah. For me, you know, in some ways, I remember being as a child afraid to get in the water and it kind of, kind of, puts a story behind all the reasons I didn't want to get in the water. There's a giant tree in there, you know, <laughs> whatever. You know, I could, I could drown. And yeah. There are many reasons I didn't want to get in the water. There's death in the water. Yeah, there's death. It's not the natural place to be. Yeah, so, you know, there's a little bit of philosophy and, and some of the darker, strange parts of life sort yeah. of while you're in your swimsuit uh, <laughs> enjoying the sunshine. And that that's kind of the balance I like to strike in my summer reads. Uh, <laughs> lighthearted, but uh, still very contemplative. Excellent. Excellent choice there, Claire. Thanks. I think that sounds like a lot of fun to read. And, you know, being that length, you can do something that I'm never able to do almost, is you can reread the story. Mm -hmm. You can reread the book because it's short enough, or you can reread a section or one of the stories. And yeah. 
look at it a different way. I I remember being on the beach and it was really windy and the sun was super warm on your skin, but then you got like that cool breeze and the water spray. And I fall asleep on the beach a lot. I have to have like an umbrella or something to lay under because I I will just go right to sleep. And so I would fall asleep while reading it and then wake back up and try to remember where I left off. And I would end up rereading a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the dreaminess of the book and then actually sleeping while read- <laughs> while trying to read it was such a cool, strange experience. That's, that's great. Did you have any strange dreams? <laughs> I'm sure I did. Not that I recall, but I'm sure I did. <laughs> read this book if you would like to induce strange dreams on the beach. <laughs> it's a good blurb. Good blurb. Well, Claire, and you saying that you seek, like, light, airy, joyful books, um, I went in a completely different direction. <laughs> um, my beach slash summer read, um, my criteria was short. Like, what can I finish in one sitting? Very different from your strategy, Joe. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, you got to do the novella. If it's not a collection of short stories, and usually I do take short stories, like I remember reading Blood Child on a Plane. Um, hmm. Pretty sure I read Leonora Carrington's collected short stories on a plane, but this time I went for the novella. And, you know, aside from Clarice Lispector's massive but absolutely necessary complete short stories, I hadn't read any of her novels or novellas before. And while I was working at Malvern Books a few weeks ago, there was only one copy left of this centennial edition of The Hour of the Star. And for fear that it was extremely limited, I bought it. Yes. I decided to read it because it's been on my list for so long. And so it did not fail. It was a page turner, a head scratcher. It was escapism, but in the way of like an unfreeing way. Hmm. We follow the life of a poor, young, ugly, dumb woman through the recollection of a wealthy, older man, um, or at least the voice of a man. I didn't quite understand his affiliation, but it's just so many like layers to Clarice Lispector telling the story um, that it's just masterfully done. And it was amazing. <laughs> Two things. One, that cover is absolutely gorgeous. And yes. it's a, a small hardback, which is like a great travel companion, I think. Um, Secondly, The Hour of the Star is like the perfect title for a summer book because what is summer if not The Hour of the Star? Mm. <laughs> it's it's so good. And I don't know about the paperback edition, but the hardcover centennial edition has um, a couple of really great introductions. Um, and I haven't gotten to it yet, but it has a like an essay written by... Clarice Lispector's son about Clarice Lispector as like a person and who she she was as a mother. Um, I'm really excited to dig in, but oh yeah, yeah, Clarice Lispector's 
short stories and now I can say the novella. She just does things on the page that are just beyond. Um, Claire, I mentioned to you, like, just like a feral genius would be (laughs) the best way to describe Clarissa Spector. She, you know, is a self-taught writer. Um, In the introduction, the translator was like, she doesn't read. She's self-taught. She's like, I don't understand how this person does any of this, but it's good. It's great. And yeah, she's, she's brilliant. It was very satisfying. I would definitely classify this as a beach read in that I listened to ocean waves crashing on rocks on headspace as I read. Mm. And there's something extremely meditative about Clarissa Spector's work. And the rhythm is so musical. It builds this great, rapid, full crescendo at the end. Um, just powerful. I feel good about my choice. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've read some Clarice Lispector and I've read The Hour of the Star. And I do think that she is both feral and meditative, which is a strange combination. And I think the way those two words come together for her is this intense internal space of the stream of consciousness style of writing that she the way that she employs that um you you start to feel like you're not okay sometimes because the head that you're in is so not okay (laughs) Uh, I always love it when a book does that where I feel like I'm so deep in this person's consciousness that now I'm fully melded with them. Oh, I do too. I'm, I've been intrigued by Clarice Lispector for a long time and I've wanted to read her. And now like wild milk, I want to read that one. Now I want that to be my summer read. In the same way that like reality TV makes you feel good about yourself. Um, I found myself feeling very glad that I was not, this character yeah. I was like I could have I could be it's like we're, we could all be obviously anybody given the right circumstances like we're products of life happening and it's like I could have been born in a different situation good or bad I could have followed this specific path if I never met either of you <laughs> like who would I be what would I love and of course, I adore you both, so I would be lesser and unsatisfied. But, um, but yeah, so in reading this, I was just like, oh, thank God that I am not this lost, empty character. And that I'm full mm-hmm. of, like, wants and desires that I understand. Um, but Clarice did this just, like, magical, incredible portrait of a character displaying a masterful portrait of another character. It's wild. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about what happens? Because honestly, I it's been a few years and I've kind of forgotten. I seem to remember a fortune teller exchange. Mm-hmm. The fortune teller is at the very, very end. <gasps> oh, I remember. Yeah, so not, <laughs> not much actually happens in terms mm-hmm. of plot we paint this incredible portrait of a woman's life and it's very lonely so you see her engage with like people around her but it's very empty and then she goes to see a fortune teller and then the book ends I don't want to 
I don't want to spoil it. Don't spoil. <laughs> yeah, I recall now that that you mentioned that the fortune teller comes in at the end. Um, and I think that does stick out in my mind because it's the main major plot point. You're right that that's another sort of meditative quality of the work is that it doesn't really follow narrative. It, it sort of just paints the image of a person, but from the inside, you know, it's, it's so strange. It, it's a portrait of poverty um, mm-hmm. that you don't see portrayed truthfully. Um, and it's also kind of a reminder that like, sometimes we can have everything that we need, but we're spiritually and soulfully and existentially poor mm-hmm. and that like the richest parts of ourselves in our lives are within ourselves Mm. um and that is where like the narrator of the story as well as clarissa specter huge advocates of looking within and meditating so what a cool pick you really took it to a dark place and i like that (laughs) yeah i expected nothing less of our beach reads episode (laughs) yeah that's that's pretty dark Still want to read it, though. Still want to read it. I've got to get to the fortune teller part. Yes, mm-hmm. it's so good. It's only 60 pages. You can blast through it, I Joe. forgot how short it was. Maybe I will. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, what did you bring for us? Well, there's a uh, qualification for a beach read, a true beach read, which I haven't done in at least 100 years or something like that. I haven't been to a beach. Last time I was at the beach, I had little kids. You know, there's no reading. You know, it's trying to keep them from drowning. But, you know, I can dream. I can dream that I will go back to the beach. And it'll be a beach that you can stay on and, you know, listen to the waves and then run out into the water and cool off. So it's obviously not a Texas beach, but <laughs> if you know Texas beaches, you do not run into the water to cool off because the water is like 90 degrees. So you go get in the swimming pool if you want to cool off. You know, that's the Gulf Stream for you. But that being aside, uh, one of the things, because I want to run off into the water and stuff like that, one of, my beach read has to be big enough and heavy enough to hold down the towel. Uh, <laughs> It's got to hold down the towel. That towel's not going to blow away when I leave my beach read. I love the practicality of these approaches. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. got to be able to not get messed up in the bag, and it's got to hold down the towel. <laughs> yeah, very practical readers here. You know, things, you know, it's it's like, you no, know, beautiful prose. No, 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 no. But So you're telling me you're reading Ducks, Ducks Newburyport. <laughs> I am reading Ducks Newburyport, but that was not my choice because that's a, uh, a book club read, and uh, I love the book. I love the book. We're finishing it. I only have 288 pages to go. <gasps> For those of you who don't wow. know, it's 988 pages long, so... I'm almost there. Almost. It'll there. hold all the towels down. Yeah, it'll hold all the towels down with that one sentence. But that's not my beach read. My beach read is one that's been on the shelf forever. And I try to read a novel by Charles Dickens every year. I have not succeeded. Otherwise, I would be finished because he only wrote 15. But uh, I have picked up his first novel, this year it's called the pickwick papers 
And it was a novel that appeared in serial form back when it was published. You know, it was published in magazines and in chapters and things like that. And then gathered together in a book later. And it's a wonderful compilation of characters who just travel around Britain and run into characters and adventures and mm-hmm. things. It's, as I said, it's his first novel. And uh, a, a good friend of mine who has read all of Dickens said that he thinks of this as Ur Dickens, you know, as kind of primal Dickens. And it's like there's this melting pot of characters and plot lines and things that are going on that will be developed more fully in the long, great novels of his later career. But it is so much fun. These these men, these heavy men who enjoy nothing more than eating, and uh, <laughs> they're members of the Pickwick Club, and they have decided that they're going to go out and adventure around England and Britain, and they're going to find people, and they're going to meet people, and that's what they've been doing. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to finish it. You know, I'm not going to leave this one unfinished. But it's nice in that even though it's close to 900 pages or something like that, it's segmented because it was serial form. So you can read little bits and pieces and things. And it's just wonderful, wonderful storytelling, language. And it takes me away from the world... I'm living in, which right now, sometimes it's a world you want to get taken away from. Totally. The beach helps, and this is something that, you know, a Frisbee can land next to me and knock sand up on me or something like that, and I'm just like, okay, fine, and look back down at the book, you know, and catch my place, and it's just, it's it's a story that's warm in the language you just, it, it envelops you. And uh, these incredible characters that go on. Do you guys, have you read much Dickens? I haven't. Um, the only Dickens book I have is a copy of The Christmas Carol. Right, right. But I, are there like descriptions of food in this book? Yes, yes. There oh, man. Descriptions of food and people enjoying food. And, uh dancing and all kinds of things yes i love that in a novel i've picked out a small section to read but unfortunately no that's not what i'm going to read but yes there are it's it's like they go through the day and they have these adventures not very wild but they land at the table and they have a Basically, it sounds like they eat a side of beef. Yes. Guzzle down, guzzle down a bunch of pork, and, and then sit there and talk. I love reading that yeah, kind of I stuff. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And you know, the refrigerator better be empty, or it will be empty by the time I finish. Right, but you get to like kind of live vicariously through them, and I also just love the language of food yes. and food description. Yes. Um, but that seems like a fun. Well, hopefully, if you're reading. You know, maybe not just in your normal summertime days, but if you're on vacation and you're reading that, hopefully you also get to indulge in some food. Yeah, yeah. I've traveled with the both of you, and <laughs> cuisine oh, yeah. is a must. So that seems like it'll really complement yeah. 
as a travel read. My other question is, since it's set in England, are there wintry passages? Is there snow? Is there cold? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. I just, I'm interested in the idea of a summer cool down book and maybe yeah. that's a book list we put together and put on the blog or something. But I was curious if anybody was going to pick something like that. But They uh, almost did. Yeah. The snow leopard or something like that. Yeah. And read about Tibet. Well, why not? You know? <laughs> yeah. I wonder if like when we inevitably lose power here in Texas over the summer, <laughs> will reading a wintry book keep us cool i don't know i don't know I, 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 i'll try it <laughs> i'll try it until the sweat's in my eyes <laughs> at least yeah. at least in the winter you could set your book on fire and mm. warm you up for about 30 seconds or something that's like true that. you could use a book as a flip book and maybe that'd be a fan <laughs> but I did want to read just a small section <gasps> yes, of this please. and one of the things that uh the Pickwickians do is they are given uh, texts and they're told stories every once in a while and they're recorded. This is written as a record of, of the club and uh, there's, there's one story early in the book that Mr. Pickwick is given and it's a story and this is 1830 or something, it's pre-Poe, but this is a, a narrative by and about a madman. Ooh. It's called a madman's manuscript. And I'll just read the very beginnings of it to give you the, the mood of it. And you'll see maybe where the Poe comes in. It reminds me of a first person narrative in Poe of an insane person. I thought he was maybe the first person to do that. But, well, it seems, yes, a madman's manuscript is what he's referring to how that word would have struck to my heart many years ago how it would have roused the terror that used to come upon me sometimes sending the blood hissing and tingling through my veins till cold dew of fear stood in large drops upon my skin and my knees knocked together with fright i like it now though it's a fine name Show me the monarch whose angry frown was ever feared like the glare of a madman's eye, whose cord and axe were ever half so sure as a madman's grip. Ho, ho, it's a grand thing to be mad, to be peeped at like a wild lion through iron bars, to gnash one's teeth and howl through the long, still night, to the merry ring of a heavy chain, and to roll and twine among the straw, transported with such brave music. Hurrah for the madman. Hurrah for the madhouse. Oh, it's a rare place. I remember days when I was afraid of being mad, when I used to start from my sleep and fall upon my knees and pray to be spared from the curse of my race when I rushed from the sight of merriment or happiness to hide myself in some lonely place and spend the weary hours in watching the progress of the fever that was to consume my brain. I knew that madness was mixed up with my very blood and the marrow of my bones, that one generation had passed away without the pestilence appearing among them, 
and that I was the first in whom it would revive. I knew it must be so, that so it always had been, and so it always ever would be. And when I cowered in some obscure corner of a crowded room and saw men whisper and point and turn their eyes towards me, I knew they were telling each other of the doomed madman, and I slunk away again to mope in solitude. I did this for years, long, long years they were. The nights here are long, sometimes very long, but they are nothing to the restless nights and dreadful dreams I had at that time. It makes me cold to remember them. Large, dusky forms with sly and jeering faces crouched in the corners of the room and bent over my bed at night, tempting me to madness. They told me in low whispers that the floor of the old house in which my father's father had died was stained with his own blood, shed by his own hand in raging madness. I drove my fingers into my ears, but they screamed into my head till the room rang with it, that in one generation before him the madness slumbered, but that his grandfather had lived for years with his hands fettered to the ground to prevent him from tearing himself to pieces. I knew they told the truth. I knew it well. I had found out years before, though they had tried to keep it from me. Ha! Ha! I was too cunning for them. Madmen, as they thought me. And it goes on and on. You know, it's wow. a really good time. Yes. He talks about how he accepts his madness and fames being normal in front of other people. And then finally, a woman is foisted onto him for marriage because he's wealthy. And uh, he drives her crazy and she dies and haunts him. And, <gasps> You know, it's wow. it's wonderful. Joe, you brought the darkness. And this is this <laughs> yes. this is this comic novel. Oh my gosh! But yeah, I, I just love that part. I love that part. I mean, there's so many sections that I love of it, but this is one of the most recent parts that I'd read, and I, it just struck me and just it was fun to get a shiver like that. It's very Poe like, and it almost reads like a monologue. Yeah, yeah. That's why it was fun to read. I it was. Uh, I got to play like I was crazy. Well, you did a great job. <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> I'm pumped for our Halloween episode now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, this is like our precursor. Wow, what a great and vastly varied selection of quote unquote beach reads. <laughs> Can yes, you imagine yes. our list of beach reads coming out on one of these websites like you know, Glamour Magazine, <laughs> Charles yeah. Dickens' 900-page novel. <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious as to see what other what other wonderful stories these people come across. See, that's one of their adventures is to find this text and this narrative. Yeah, so I really love that idea, too, of the novel that bounces around from story to story, character to character. Um, I wonder, I mean... I've never come across it in my school days, but I wonder if that's like a, a narrative convention that began with someone, or I wonder like about the history of that, but I feel like 
that also comes into play in like Olga Tokarczuk's novel Flights. Yes. Even though yeah. it's kind of its own animal. Yeah, she definitely. I love Flights, and it, it, she definitely takes you from from place to place, and you don't know where you are, and then all of a sudden you're back, and it's a wonderful, wonderful book. I'm waiting. Next year's beach read is going to be, hopefully, if it's finished on time, the translation of Olga Turkajic's most recent book, which I don't remember the title of, but it's 900 pages long. The paperweight. <laughs> you love these long books. Well, I love Olga Turkajic. She is a master. If it were not an impossibility, I, I would have been so anxious to read this long book that uh, I would have learned Polish <laughs> because it's been out for three or four years in Polish if you if you speak that different yeah. language. We're just waiting on our beloved translators to yes. deliver it to us. Um, I'm so intrigued because uh, I've read her her first novel and, and now I'm reading Flights and they're so different from one another. So yeah. I can't even imagine what this book would be like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Maybe I'll have to adopt your strategy and go for the for the big boy yeah, yeah. <laughs> beach read. Got to hold that towel down. <laughs> yes. Well, what kind of trips are we going to take this summer? Where are we going, guys? We have to go to Marfa yeah. together. We have yeah. to go to Marfa. I agree. I just got back from New Orleans. I think that will be my trip for the summer. You know, yeah. I, I really don't know if I'm going anywhere else yet. I'm sure that was a crazy place to go, you know, at the tail end it of the pandemic was. here. It was. Yeah. But this is why our staff trip, <laughs> as if we always take a staff trip, I'm definitely desperate to go places. But I also don't want to be in crowds. So I think, Anar, you're you're exactly right. We, we should take our trip to Marfa. Yeah. I'm definitely up for Marfa. Bring some books. Yeah. Whatever good desert books are. <laughs> They got the great Marfa Bookstore out there. Yeah. Marfa Book Company. Retreat to the desert. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Well, y'all, it's been fun. It has. It has. Woohoo! Beach reads. Yeah. Beach reads. Beach reads. Beach reads.